Howdy, y'all, and welcome to Cowboys Like Us, a podcast where we talk about the music of Taylor Swift. Yeehaw. Hello. Welcome to Cowboys Like Us, formerly known as the Last Great American Podcast. But it turns out someone else already had that name, and there was cat artwork opportunities involved with this name so i think it's a win-win all around this is our third episode of the pod and today we're talking about change uh from fearless and also huh taylor's version yeah fearless taylor's version it's also on fearless regular version and the fearless (laughs) fearless platinum edition it's on all the fearlesses it was also on the 2008 olympic soundtrack which we will get to yeah all right so what has taylor been up to this past week what's been going on anything just hang gonna do your news from the taylor news from around the news from around the taylor verse <laughs> yeehaw yeehaw yeah so taylor and maddie broke up which is good. Our long national nightmare is finally over. I mean, that was two whole months of just absolute nonsense. Yeah. He got a few more dumb things in before oh, yeah. before the breakup was announced. Among them, he said that people who were hurt by his comments, or claimed to be hurt by his, his comments about Ice Spice and everything, were either... His racist comments. Racist comments. He, we, we were either lying or we were deluded. Mm. And he was also seen wearing merch from a certain podcast called uh, The Red Scare Podcast, which is a podcast by a couple of ladies who talk about fascist bullshit and how feminism's bad. <laughs> but they're ladies. But they're ladies. Yeah. So that's cool, you know. So if it's coming from them, it must be true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, they called, the Red Scare ladies called, Taylor's mom, Miss Piggy. Oh, my God. In a segment. They also said that they do believe Taylor, that she got groped by that DJ that time that she sued. There's photo evidence. And won one dollar. But they think she did wrong in ruining his life for that because, you know, it's just a little grope. It's just a little, just a little bit of ass play. Homest among us. Hoops among us. Mm, mm-hmm. Don't ever come after Mama Swift. Back off Mama Swift. Yes. That's just rude, first of all. <laughs> yeah, it didn't need to happen. Maybe she had cancer at that time. I'm unsure. It was a while back, I believe, when Miss Americana came out. So, you know, she's never done anything worse or worth being called that, you know? Yeah, so it was very strange to Swifties that... Maddie would be seen wearing of that. Yeah, seen wearing their merch when they were clearly very anti-Taylor yeah. in different ways. Hmm. But none of that matters because it's over now. And we can all just move on with our lives and it's almost as if it didn't matter at all. It is almost as if it didn't matter. It's almost as if it wasn't really a problem. Yep. That is a, one of our favorite slogans at my job is Almost like it wasn't even a problem. Yep. She, uh, you know, got out of a long relationship. She had a rebound and. Like the best of us. Moving on, <laughs> you know. 
onward and upward. Yeah. Um, I have kind of been on the rant since this has come out that they have broken up that um, I just don't really know what Tree Payne's out here doing. That's Taylor's publicist. Because the the source that said that they had broken up to right. the media said that they weren't that interested in each other. And then on the other hand, they didn't have enough time for each other. So it's like, what road are we going down? Do they not like each other? And that's why they broke up. Or do they not have enough time for each other because they're both on tour? Both of them are fine excuses, but pick one. Yeah. Choose a lane. We've entered the spin zone, which we're always in, uh, because like we said in episode one, I believe it was, Taylor is always very in control of the narrative with her life and, you know, wants to present a certain image to the public. So it's all very curated and uh, trying out a couple different strategies right now, it seems like, to figure out what works best. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like they sent them two copies and they didn't know which one to use. Yeah. They were like, well, in this one, you say they didn't really like each other. <laughs> they were just having fun. And in that one, you say, you know, they're just so busy. I do like, <laughs> I guess I do like that uh, they didn't try for, well, you know, Taylor really liked Maddie, but he said some racist things that Taylor was unaware of until recently, and she just couldn't handle that. Yeah. You know, she, do- she doesn't represent that. Stand by that. Taylor really wanted to support Maddie, but she just couldn't get past the racism and the misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> my she friend. really torn. <laughs> one of my friends, uh, I think it was Mary or Christy, one of them. Shout out. Shout out. Future guests of the pod. Uh, Go ahead and shout out Morgan. I think she's the only one we haven't touched on. Don't want to leave her hanging. <laughs> that's right. Morgan and Victoria, all of them. One of them sent a link in our group chat. That was from The Onion, and it was like, (laughs) Taylor Swift writes a new song called My Little Racist Man or something. something. People are wondering who it's about. Did you see that? I think I saw that. Yeah. That was quality. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You can only imagine. I can only imagine. (laughs) That uh, we're going to get some solid, you know, Maddie uh, Healy-inspired songs. Do you think so? Maybe not. It depends on when we get new music. I just don't even... Yeah, that's true. But I just don't even know if it lasted long enough or made enough of an impact. You know what I mean? Just a little bit of ass on around. I feel like she's had similar relationships of just assing around, as you say. (laughs) Where, I mean, some, some big songs came out of it. I can't think of any right now off the top of my head. Connor Kennedy is coming to mind, but I don't remember how long they dated... And I'm probably going to look it up and going to be like, they were together for five years. No, I don't think no. it was that long, man. I don't think I so. I only think it was a few months. Yeah, well, anyway, doesn't matter. It's over now. Life goes on. Another piece of good news we got was the announcement of the Speak Now TV track list with the vault songs and everything. And we learned that there were two big features mm-hmm. on it. Uh, Haley Williams of Paramore is on Castle's Crumbling, uh, which she had sort of teased uh, at one of her concerts, at one of Paramore's concerts. And uh, the other one is a band you may have heard of called Fall Out Boy. A little band. Fall Out Boy. Yep. Super indie band. Yeah, you know. Really up and coming. <laughs> they own the come up, you know. So much for Stardust came out in March. Let's do it, it bangs. <laughs> buy the CD. <laughs> yeah, go buy it. Go buy the record. Get the eight track. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited. And the Fallout Boy 
uh, feature is on a song called Electric Touch, which sounds sexy and like like a song Prince would have put out. So I'm excited yeah. in lots of ways. <laughs> I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, I saw someone uh, on TikTok, and I don't remember which of the Taylor Swift creators it was that I follow, but I follow many of them, so can't give credit where credit's due. But they were talking about how um, Speak Now was the first time, like, I guess before Reputation, if you would call Reputation her, like, rock album, which I don't know that you would, but she kind of dabbles in that that side of, of uh, music, so there's some harder songs, like, um, story of us and things like that go a little harder so i think follow up boy is going to be interesting i bet that's going to be a really good song yeah the story of us is basically a pop punk song yeah and yeah i'm excited about it i'm excited about it i think she also said that uh pete from fallout boy and Haley were two of the lyricists who really inspired her writing uh for speak now and just around that time what she was listening to so that's that's cool to know you know just like me for real <laughs> for real super relatable yep yeah exciting stuff um yeah we did kind of expect the Haley feature but still exciting nonetheless yeah i feel i am excited about that the fallout one came out of nowhere and it, it was yeah. almost as if you know we live in a fucking simulation you know because i've been i've been talk i've talked about it on every episode thus far that's true only three episodes in was i foreshadowing was i could I channel it psychically? Yeah. From the future? I want him to be like you. You Taylor listened and it, it, it inspired her to do it, but it's definitely been recorded yeah. for a while. Taylor Swift, future guest of the pod. Yeah. Can no, you imagine in our wildest dreams? Can you imagine? I would shit. Um, I I would die. I would have a heart attack on the spot. Yeah, it'd be like that episode of New Girl where Prince is in and yeah. Jess and Nick meet him and they freak out. Nick passes out. Yeah, Jess I just I like don't crying. think I'd wake up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Jess handles that way better than I think I would handle Taylor Swift being like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to come over and be, or I'm going to fly all out and be on your podcast. I mean, I assume it would be a Zoom thing. If, if, in, in, even still, in the reality where that happens, which is an unimaginary mm-hmm. one. I still I feel like she would do Zoom because she's a busy lady, you know. But I mean, yeah. maybe, but the least she could do is like give us tickets to the airport. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool, you know. But let us in the VIP box. She probably can't get them, you know, Ticketmaster. Fucking, you know. <laughs> Can you imagine Taylor Swift going on Ticketmaster and trying to buy Taylor Swift tickets for her family and friends? Like, no, my mom can't go now. Fuck. <laughs> Yep, that is a funny image. Maybe that's why she was so upset about it. <laughs> in other news, Taylor has been photographed a lot lately, coming in and out of Electric Lady Studios in New York City, which is a very famous recording studio. It was designed by Jimi Hendrix back in the day, and it has played host to a variety of important artists, Led Zeppelin, David Bowie, Stevie Wonder, Lots of others have all recorded there, and Taylor has recorded there on Lover Folklore, Fearless TV, and Red TV, and Midnights. So, you know, that question has to be asked, what is she doing now? Is she listening to mixes of Speak Now TV, do you think? Doing production work? Because I, like you said, I think it has to have been recorded. I think Speak Now. A while back. I think Speak Now is probably completely done. You think so? I think it basically could be put out. 
now because we're so close. Yeah. And because the track list really got leaked, I believe, from an, like a Target employee or oh, something did like it? that. Because like they already have their hands on certain copies of it. And um, so I don't know if, if Taylor already planned to put out this, the track list and it just all happened at the same time. Or if she put it out because it got leaked. I didn't know about the I'm Target sure. Target edition. But yeah, that if they already have physical copies, then it's it's done. Yeah. Um, I think she is more likely finishing up any final tweaks on 1989. Oh, you think so? Mm-hmm. She could be working on new music, but I don't know. I think we have... We just got Midnight's, and now we're getting Sweet Now, and she still has the other re-records left to work on, so. And she has been teasing them pretty hard, so. Yeah. So I think it's more likely that we're going to get the rest of the re-records before we get new music again. Yeah. I have been a little confused, I guess, just on the re-record sort of timeline, because I would have thought she would have tried to record them Basically, as soon as she decided she was gonna, you know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. obviously, she doesn't have to write anything new. She just has to assemble her crew, go to the studio, lay it down, and then just wait, you know, dagger them, put them out. Yeah, well, beca- um, because of her contract, she wasn't allowed to start re-recording them until November of 2020. Right. But as soon as that hit she could pump them out as quick as she wanted. So I think everything after that has been strategic. Okay. Well, there you go. Any other news? Is that it? I think that's pretty much it. think so. Still on tour. Speak yeah. now. Coming out soon. As we're recording this on a Friday night, she's in Detroit, I believe. And uh, we got secret songs in about an hour, I think, or something. I believe it's pronounced Detroit. I believe it's French Canadian. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people don't know that. Yeah, Common actually, misconception. Might be happening right now. I may be missing it. I have no idea. Last time I checked, she was in the Evermore set. Last thing about Speak Now Taylor's version, we're getting six vault tracks. So, not a ton, but still a good bit. Yes, six vault tracks. Two of them have features, so only four Taylor solo vault tracks. Yes, but the standard non-vault like track it include the original target exclusive songs like superman right and um there's another one yeah it's not but anyway it's not the standard edition plus vault tracks he's got the bonuses yeah it's like the the target exclusive deluxe version taylor's version (laughs) plus vault tracks yeah it's like fearless and and red where they both had the bonus tracks on them already yeah yeah exciting i am interested to see because I know Speak Now, sort of the whole idea was I'm going to write all the songs solo, purely myself, just mm-hmm. to prove I, I can, more or less, uh, which was a cool idea, cool concept. But given that she has features on two of the vault tracks, I'm interested to see if Fall Out Boy and Haley will be credited as co-writers on those tracks or not. Because I think I think they'd want to be. I think they like writing as well. So I don't, I don't know. Well, my question to that would be, did she credit, like, Boyby Briggs or um, Keith Urban or anybody like that? That is a good question. And I realize now I should have looked at it. 
I mean, that's okay, but... That would have been something that would give us a clue. That's for sure. Yeah. I feel like if she gave them credit for any sort of adjustments that they made as they were recording, then she probably would give credit to Fallout Boy and to Grandma. Yeah, I mean... Haley. Haley and Taylor are friends, so I could see... Her doing it just because of that. Yeah, just be like, you know, this is a song, this is the words, just go and lay it down. But I feel like... I feel like Fallout Boy wants to to be involved. Patrick does a lot of composing, and Pete is obviously a lyricist. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. All right. Should be good stuff. Indeed. All right. Let us talk a little bit about our song of the week, which, as we said, is Change. It was written by Taylor Swift and produced by her... And Nathan Chapman in its original form. The Taylor's version was produced by Taylor and Christopher Bro, which brings up a something that I find interesting, which is that Nathan Chapman was her guy from like debut through I think he's on nineteen eighty nine partially. He's got a song or two on there. And then he disappears from the narrative. Interesting. And then she has brought in Christopher Rowe for all of the Taylor's versions that have come out thus far. So he's her new her new go-to guy. And I wonder if I wonder if Nathan Chapman was like employed by a big machine specifically, like chosen almost for Taylor as a young young lady. Yeah. And quite possibly. She, and now she has a little more control over it and she's like, no, nah, Chapman sucks. <laughs> I'm out. I'm over it. I'm over it. Yeah, maybe. That would be interesting, especially if he has anything on reputation. Yeah, um, I, I don't believe he does. Yeah. I don't believe so. But if not, I mean, maybe Big Machine was like, after 1989, was like, we don't need you anymore, thanks, bye. Yeah, I do know that he was, his other non-Taylor credits are all sort of country music, so maybe she just... So he's just around Nashville. Yeah, she just evolved past him, I guess, musically. Yeah. Could be. Probably already working together when she decided to kind of switch over during 1989. Yeah, to probably And then he just kind of dwindled out of her rotation. Yeah, it's not his strong suit. Which makes sense. Change was originally released, not on Fearless, but as a promotional single for the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing. NBC had reached out to Big Machine and Taylor... And they had wanted her to perform as part of the coverage. And she was touring, I believe, at the time, and thus unable to to make that work. Uh, so she submitted the a song to them, which was called Change. And uh, they put it on the 2008, the AT&T Team USA soundtrack. And all proceeds for this album went to the U.S. Olympic teams. And some other people who featured on the album, that's a very less remember some guys from back in the day. Uh, Three Doors Down, you know, if I go crazy, will you still call me Superman? That's them. That's the only song they have. Lady Antebellum, a.k.a. Lady A, before they uh, decided that their name was racist. But then they were also going to steal a name from a black artist. Right. So they just couldn't win for losing. Yeah, they tried, but, you know. <laughs> Nelly, uh, a.k.a. Mr. Hot and Her, and... Country Grammar himself. Country Grammar, yeah, that's a good song. I like Country Grammar still. It holds up. 
Some of his other shit don't. And Mr. Louise Fonzi, a.k.a. The Despacito. Despacito. That's right. The Despacito guy. Like a decade before that song came out. He was... He was uh, actually doing stuff. He was alive and making music. Who knew? Who knew? He did stuff before Despacito. Yeah. And Change was, as I said, a single from that album. And it reached number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 and was certified gold. 500,000 sales. And then it was put on Fearless as the 13th and final track of the album. It was really just tacked on there to get her to 13. Yeah, I'll get into that more when I get to my thoughts, but I do feel like it was just tacked on. (laughs) In the meantime, what has Taylor said about this song? Taylor came up with the idea uh, of the song shortly after signing to Big Machine in 2005. She said, quote, I wrote this song about being on a small record label, being a 16-year-old girl, and having a lot of odds stacked up against all of us. It was about having a bunch of big companies on Music Row that had a lot more room in their buildings and a lot more employees than R12. A lot of people, if given those odds, would say that's not going to work. After Taylor started Change, she let it sit for a while, waiting for something to inspire its completion. The inspiration came after she walked off with the Horizon Award, a victory that was important not only to her, but also to the founder of Big Machine. She said, quote, I looked over at Scott Borchetta after I won and he was crying, she said. That's when I finished the song because I knew I could finish it. I couldn't finish it until something like that happened. It was absolutely the most amazing night of my life, getting to see the emotion of all the people who worked so hard for me. So I wrote that song about I wrote that song about that. Yeah, that's what you said. <laughs> yes. So, written about being an underdog with Big Machine, which was a record label started by Mr. Scott Borchetta. Borchetta. Scott Borchetta. He's spicy meatball. Uh, it's me, Scott Borchetta. Scott Borchetta. Uh, and then nothing bad ever happened no, with he, them. He proceeded to be the best person around town. And to talk about it, I think it's time to go to Kimberly's Clown Corner once again. Kimberly's Clown Corner. Okay. All right. Welcome to the corner. Join me, won't you? Under <laughs> the street lamp. <laughs> Got Borchetta. Who is he? I'm not going to bore you with like, he was born in 1967, I think it said, with all that. I'm just going to skip to the good bits. All right. Scott was the founding president and CEO of Big Machine Records. He started the label in 2005 with about 13 employees after leaving Universal Music Nashville. Universal Music. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, which comes back around. I was going to say. <laughs> it comes back around later. He started his own label because he disagreed with the way big labels ran their business. Warshetta mm. also became a mentor on American Idol for two seasons in 2015 and 2016. Um, he was also a uh, Trans Am series race car driver and owner of the NASCAR racing team Big Machine Racing. How about that? Yeah. I didn't know that. So it's fun little hobbies on the side other than music. Well, I mean, I guess American Idol is music, but mentoring and race car driving. And as we already alluded to, he is a cartoon plumber who fights turtles in his spare time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he is also Mario. <laughs> he is a spicy meatball. 
Taylor Swift was the first artist signed to Big Machine Records and went on to become their most successful artist. By a lot. Mm-hmm. So how did he discover Taylor? Taylor's career started with two major gigs, Abercrombie & Fitch's Rising Stars and Maybelline Cosmetics promotional CD, Chicks with Attitude. Ooh. <laughs> Saucy. <laughs> These ad campaigns earned her an invitation to an industry showcase at the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. The label had not been established when he asked Taylor to join. They were taking this risk together, and he asked Taylor to just trust him, which she probably regrets now. Yeah, started out <laughs> feeling good about that choice, and then not so much yeah. anymore. So as we talked about a little bit when um, I introduced Scooter Braun in the last episode, Taylor signed a 13-year contract that ended up producing six albums. Right. Debut through Reputation. Yes, debut through reputation. So they had a lot of good good years in there. Mm -hmm. um, nothing really going on. So we'll skip to 2018. Then what happened? <laughs> in November of 2018, Taylor's contract was up and she parted ways with Big Machine. In her departure she, uh, announcement, she thanked Scott for believing in her and guiding her through the past decade. Um, she did leave Big Machine to join Universal Music. Right. In... June 2019, so just a few months later, or right. over six months later, Ithaca Holdings purchases Big Machine Records for $300 million. And Ithaca Holdings was owned by a certain Scooter Braun. One Mr. Scooter Braun. Who Taylor loathes. Yeah. And again, we kind of touched on that last episode, but that included the Masters to Swift's first six albums. In August, so two months later... Taylor announced her intent to re-record her first five albums as soon as 2020. So in that contract that we talked about, she was not allowed to start re-recording her albums until November of 2020. So in August of 2019, she, you know, said as soon as November 2020 hits, I'm going to start re-recording. Right. One thing about the big machine sale that I've always been annoyed by is I feel like it's very much a case of we're both going to release statements that don't directly contradict one another, and therefore neither of us can legally be charged with perjury or slander or oh, libel. Yeah. Because Taylor says she never got an opportunity to put down cash money and buy her records, and Big Machine says she turned down the opportunity to buy her records, but there is the issue of... Taylor claims she had to earn them back one album at a time after signing a new deal to Big Machine in order for that to happen, whereas Big Machine just ignores that part and doesn't comment either way on that. So Yeah, instead they skip to, well, Taylor actually owes us a whole bunch of money for all of the people who have worked so hard to get her where she is. Yeah, she had, we gave her an opportunity. She didn't take it, you know? It was a crooked-ass fuck-shit deal, but... I mean, we gave it to her. She didn't want it, so yeah, legally, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, at some point with this feud of Taylor's feuds, she gets to a point where they just start kind of Spider-Man memeing, pointing at each other. Like, nobody's going anywhere with this. Right. It's further complicated by the fact that Taylor's dad was a minority shareholder mm -hmm. of Big Machine, and there is a lot of he said, she said with regard to what he knew what he looped Taylor in on at what point mm -hmm. 
he made her aware of anything? Was he at the meeting where it happened? Yeah, because the big machine claims he was part of it, and the the people from thirteen management they were that represent her in the shareholder meetings were there, um, so they knew about it. And that Scott sent Taylor personally a text message letting her know what was happening. But then she, you know, claims that she found out with the rest of the world. Right. So they try to say, like, no, that's not true. Even your dad knew before. (laughs) And we may never know what happened. Yeah. Gotta wait for the tell-all book. Like you said, it's definitely he said, she said. Right. It it really just gets down to nitty-gritty. Yeah. And I don't think whether she found out with the rest of the world or if she knew a few days prior don't think it really changes her level of anger of who they were sold to they still knew what they were doing yeah the thing about it is she couldn't intervene in any way anyway the thing about it is that that's kind of how music publishing has always worked in that the label fronts artists money and pays like promotional costs and everything to record their records and help them sell them and uh in exchange they own the masters that they record and uh, a lot of artists over the years have had big issue with that. Taylor's certainly not the first. Prince had a big thing in the 90s where he changed his name to an unpronounceable symbol <laughs> in the hope of uh, dicking down Warner Brothers after they wouldn't let him buy his masters. JoJo, famously mid-aughts singer, she re-recorded her early work because of similar things couldn't get her masters and everything and she felt her label dicked her down i don't feel like i realized that or yeah I don't, I don't think i realized that is what I'm trying to say. yeah so it's a it's been an ongoing thing i think taylor taking such a public stand on it and winning so hard with the re-recordings mm-hmm. uh, is probably going to help empower artists going forward and you know not to get swindled and to take more ownership of their of their work which i think is good yeah. She paid in the way. That's right. Trailblazing. Standing up. That's what she does. Fuck the man. <laughs> <laughs> so in November 2019, Taylor speaks out on social media about Big Machine prohibiting her from performing her, her old songs from her first six albums at the AMAs. She said, quote, the message being sent to me is very clear. Basically, be a good little girl and shut up or you'll be punished. Yes, which Big Machine denied. Yeah, the that label they had done. The label claimed they did not try to prevent her from performing the songs and that they had no right to keep her from performing live. Which is true based on everything we know about how music publishing works. They own the master recordings and they in Taylor's case had a clause preventing her from re-recording songs that they own masters to for a certain length of time, but they at no point in the contract, at least, had any authority to prevent her from performing any song live yeah. anytime she wanted. I guess yeah. perhaps because it was going to be televised, there could have been some... Playback. Is that recording? You know, yeah, type that's of thing. basically what it came down to, was um, if they play the AMAs back, like, does that count as a recording? But Big Machine came out and said that they would agree that that doesn't count as a recording as long as Taylor continued to stick to the agreement that she wouldn't actually record on an album, re-record on an album, any of the masters until November 2020. That's also what they did to permit her to use those songs for Miss Americana. So fun stuff. Um, 
since all of this happened, Taylor has made many comments on the sale of her masters to Scooter Braun. But regarding Scott, she has said, I found myself being very triggered by any stories, movies, or narratives revolving around divorce. All of a sudden, this person that you trusted more than anything in the world is the person that can hurt you the worst. This is what happens when you sign a deal at 15 to someone for whom the term loyalty is clearly just a contractual concept. And when that man says music has value, he means its value is beholden to men who had no part in creating it. Woof. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like she said, she was 15 Mm -hmm. when she signed a contract with Big Machine based on, just trust me, bro, uh, to a man who was old enough to be her father. And she, I'm sure, saw him that way for a while as a secondary type father figure. Yeah. And then he turned around and screwed her over. That's the kind of thing that uh, stays with you, man. Stays with you. For sure. So that's pretty much it. That's that's Scott. That's all he adds to the story. Yeah, he's just a... (laughs) And now he's gone. Silly Italian man. Just a little Italian plumber, man. Being attacked by Goombas and, you know. His his brother, Luigi (laughs) Braun. Scooter Luigi. (laughs) Scooter and Luigi. So, just like I did with Carly, a couple of other songs that are rumored to be about Scott or about um, Scott and Scooter in this situation. So, the man on Lover, obviously, Taylor's struggle with men in the industry. Right. My Tears Ricochet from Folklore. That one is for sure. Yeah. Mad Woman from Folklore. Mm-hmm. And vigilante shit from midnight. So there's definitely other ones as well, but those are just a, a selection. Vigilante shit is interesting. It's more about Scooter than about Scott. Yeah, but it's I feel kind of about both. I feel that. I have also seen that people think Karma is about. Yeah. Well, Oliver fuse really, but that's what I was gonna say. Karma is to me like. Is he the Spider Boy? Is he the King of Thieves? <laughs> Her panties did make his crown. Yes. Not panties, as I first heard and was horrified by. <laughs> I still hear it as panties. <laughs> um, no, I think karma, like, this is why we can't have nice things. It's about all of it. There's, like, there's a line for every single person who's ever done her wrong. It's just a big old fuck you song. Exactly. Just generally, yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. But, well, I mean, yes, you could, you could say it's about him, too. Indeed. Well, thank you for... Taking us to your clown corner once again. And uh, we'll be back next week to do more clownery. But for now, let's move on to critical response to change. So most people who who reviewed it uh, believed that it was pretty mid, to put it mildly. And uh, a bit generic. And a bit just, you know, because it was... For the Olympics, people just were like, oh, it's a generic sort of sports, we shall overcome type song. You know, it's not really about much of anything, which was perhaps unfair given what we know of its origin now. But it does, it does seem pretty, pretty boring and pretty, you know, like a 15 year old wrote it, which is what more or less happened. Yeah. And they also felt that on the original version, Taylor's voice was too thin and too high and just... Not strong enough, really, to carry that sort of big, anthemic sports melody that it's trying to do in the chorus. Yeah. Uh, which I cannot vouch for, because I did not go back and listen to the original, because I didn't want to give Scoots the, the money. So, did you notice a difference in the re-record versus the original? With yeah, that? going into it, 
I already knew that I didn't like this song, so I wasn't excited for the re-record of it. I didn't think it was going to change anything about it for me, and it definitely didn't, but I did give it time. I mean, I, I listened to it with the first listen through of the re-record, and I listened to it for this podcast, but I think even what her matured voice added to it was not enough to save it. <laughs> not enough to overcome, but it was different, though, you think. Yeah, I think it was. A notable improvement. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Fandom response. Mr. Rob Sheffield of Rolling Stone on his list, which we've talked about, ranks all of Taylor's songs recorded through Midnight's. He put change at number 204 out of 229 songs. I am so incredibly curious to know, and I might go look it up after this. What could possibly be closer, like, closer to the bottom? What is number 229? Because this song should at least be in the 220s. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. If not, way closer to the bottom. Right. But I am curious to know what he thinks her absolute worst song is. Because this one's definitely in the running for me. <laughs> well, he, he, yeah, he doesn't have it as low as you, but he does have it low. 204, yeah. which is very low. By far the lowest we've talked about. Yeah, very low, but I think it could go lower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the lowest we've talked about so far by a lot. Yeah. And then in r slash Taylor Swift on Reddit, they did the Fearless Taylor's version Survivor game where they tried to do, figure out the best tracks and change came in 26th place out of 27. The only track it was ahead of was Superstar, which is a bunch of bullshit, because Superstar is a solid song, and I stand by it. Superstar is a solid song. Y'all wild for that. Y'all are wild for that. Superstar, Superstar is a solid song. It's not It's not yeah. one of her best songs, no. but it's good. But that's why it was a... It's not 27. A vault track, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not a 27. That's it's outrageous. It's not 27. Not on Fearless Taylor's version. Like, there were so many vault songs we got that, like, should have stayed in the vault. Yeah, for sure. And Change should have gone into the vault. <laughs> <laughs> Superstar should have stayed twice. <laughs> Which, yeah, gets us to our next segment where we talk about our thoughts on the song. And I do not much care for this song. To be honest, it's a skip for me on Fearless. Whenever I go back and I listen to it, I, yeah, I skip straight from Forever and Always to Jump Then Fall, mm -hmm. which I believe is the Fearless TV track list. I think that's how it goes. Or maybe not. I don't know. Hold maybe. On. We'll look it up. It's right here. Maybe Jump Then Fall is the one I go to. But. Uh, the best day to Jump Then Fall. Okay. Oh, but I mean, you could go from Forever and Always. Skip the best day, skip change, jump and fall. Yes, that is what I do. I jump, mm -hmm. I skip. <laughs> That's what I do. I listen to forever and always. I skip the best day, I skip change, and I go right to jump and fall. Two bangers. Forever and always and jump and fall. And then sandwiched two drag-ass boring songs. Yeah. I don't know that I would call best day drag-ass boring. It's not boring. It does drag-ass. Yeah. It's slow. It does. It can drag some ass. It's also just like one of those tear darker ones that like don't make me feel like feelings about my mom, you know. <laughs> it is, yeah, it gives you feelings for sure. And I also think about change that it wouldn't have even made fearless if uh, it weren't for having already been released for the Olympics and going top ten. I think Big Machine thought we can tack this thing on to the end, 
and we'll get another song people know already and hopefully some people from the Olympic coverage will have heard and been like, oh yeah, I like that song and just get a few more record sales. I don't think it I don't think it fits on Fearless uh much. I don't think it is up to the quality standard that Fearless is at as a whole and I just yeah. It should have stayed in the vault forever. Should never came out. That's what I think. I agree. I think that's pretty evident by what I have said thus far, but I do agree that it's 100% of the time a skip for me. I, like I said, I li- I gave it a re-listen when the re-records came out. I gave it a listen for this podcast because it's not doing it justice if I don't listen to it while I'm actually like doing my thoughts and notes and stuff. Have it fresh on the mind. But I cannot stand this song. <laughs> I even put, yeah, in my thoughts, it's less annoying on Taylor's version, but still not worth my time. Right. There are so many better options in the vault. There are definitely vault songs, like we said, that should have stayed in the vault. But there are songs like this that should have been taken off the album and put into the vault. Yeah, for sure. I would put, I would put Superstar over it. It's not a vault song technically. It's a bonus track. Sure. Fearless yeah. Platinum, whatever it yeah. was. Uh, I'd put that on the standard version over it. I'd put Jump and Fall over it. I'd put Jump and Fall over it. Easy. I'd put Jump and Fall over it over most songs on it. To be honest, mm-hmm. about half of them probably. Because I think Jump and Fall is a banger, and we'll get there. I like that one. I would put We Were Happy on over it. I would uh, Mr. Perfectly Fine over it. Yeah. Yeah. There may be more, but those are the ones I can remember off the top of my head yeah. that I would definitely put on over it. For sure. Um, Today was a fairy tale. It's on Fearless TV. It wasn't originally, you know, a Fearless song. It was a, for a movie, but yeah. I have put it on over it. For Valentine's Day. Yep. Yeah, I just... I don't think it needed to be on there, but like we talked about, I think they tacked it on to the end to round it out to 13 because Taylor loves that number. Um, I think she was sitting on 12 for the main album and was like, let's just throw it in there for 13. And that way, you know, I have it on my end to make me some money and not just for the Olympics. Get a little bit of that sports money. Yep. Which is a fun thing to think about. People who were like big into the Olympics being like, I got to go buy that record, you know, Taylor Swift record. That's the one. I think their goal was more, how do we get all of the teenage girls interested in the Olympics? Oh, so you think it's the other way? I think it's the other way. Okay. I think they were like, let's get all of Taylor's demographic interested in the Olympics by putting her on this CD and promoting the Olympics to them. I don't think it was, oh man, I'm really into the Olympics and also Taylor Swift, like my dad who loves to watch the Olympics on their own. I don't think he was like, oh, yeah, Taylor Swift, I got to go get the CD. <laughs> I do think that was part of why they put it on the record. I really do. I think <laughs> I think if they'd asked Taylor, she'd have been like, I don't think that's going to move any units. But I think somebody at the, at the label was like, we're going to put it on there, you know. It's a, it's a proven hit. Got that Olympics crossover money is coming in. We're going to get it. I mean, I don't know. You know, put it on there. We weren't there. That one was a top 10 hit already before the album was released. So it was a proven hit song, I think. What was the first one off that? Was Love Story? Fearless? You like, Belong With Me. You Belong With Me was first, you think? I think so. Let me, let's just have a look, you know? We got the technology. Why are we, why are we fucking? I don't know. Why are we fucking around, pretending we ain't got it? I think it was You Belong With Me, though. Fearless. Taylor. And Love Story, The White Horse. Swift. Album. All right. Fearless, The Album, was released November 11th, 2008. 
and the song, the only single that came out before the record was Love Story. Oh. September 15th, 2008. And changed because it was on, on the Olympic thing. So yeah, that's that's two proven hits helped move some units. I think that was somebody's idea. Yeah, I think. I mean, maybe. That guy got fired because, I mean, that wasn't going to help anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, he tried. Good on him. Yeah. Right? Do you have any other thoughts on it before we get to the rankings? Not really. It sucks and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then I guess it's time to give our, our official rankings. A quick reminder for the folks at home. We rank every song from 1 to 10. 1 is bad. 10 is good. 5 is mid. So, what do you have it at? I ranked it at a 3. Which is gracious. Um, <laughs> and you think it might you think it might be her worst song? You think it could be 229 if you were to list them out? If if he had said it's 229, I'd be like, "Yeah, awesome." Do I think it's my 229? No, not necessarily. I think it's like 227. So you might go below a 3 for another song in the I did picture. originally. Oh, you did? You came up on it. I did originally, and then I put an explanation next to it. So I originally gave it a what? <laughs> what made you Because come up? I'm not going to give anything a zero because it's a song that exists, right? So that's my basis for like a one. <laughs> well, yeah, we do one to ten. We don't even go to zero. Right, exactly. So the basis is it's a one. It's a song that exists. It's a one. So I was going to give it a one. But then I listened to it for the podcast, and I reminded myself. I was like, yes. This is always, 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 always a skip for you. It's it's hard for me to listen to because it's just not a good song. But I gave my rating a second thought because she was still in the early days of her songwriting um, in the grand scheme of her career. So you're grading on a curve because she was young? Grading it on a curve a little bit Okay. because she was young. So I gave her two points. And put it kind of in the range of, it's still going to be a skip, but I my ears can bleed for two minutes if they have to. Yeah. Because okay. she was a child. Sure. I had a similar sort of thought process once I learned of its origin. I did feel compelled to give it a little bit more, just because she was so young when she wrote it. And it showed that she could write... A song that would go on a record at 15, even if it's not very good. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, somebody put that out. Way better than a song I could have written at 15. Yeah, and it was in the Olympics. Way you know. better than a song I could write now, and it's trash. So. <laughs> right, so, yeah. You gotta, you gotta give credit to that. And I did also think that the Escata Borchetta drama gives you a little bit of an interesting experience when you listen to it now. I think it feels very sort of sad to listen to because you're like, damn, you know. They was on the team, man. They was the team. They was they was striving. She was really pulling a uh, we're all in this together high school musical dance and he was stabbing her in the back. Yeah. And that gives, the future. gives it a, a little more depth, I think, than it had before just because she decided to re-record it Knowing all that context. Mm -hmm. And so it just makes it very, very interesting in that way. But that said, I still did give it a four. Because I do think it's bad. <laughs> and if it, uh, 
comes on near me, if I'm out in public, somebody's listening to music on their phone without headphones, they should be executed immediately, of course, as we as a society have agreed. But they often aren't. And if they're listening to this song, I'm going to be like, bro, skip that shit. We got to get to jump and fall. What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. You know? Get that off. Go back to front run always. Literally anything else. Yeah, just turn it off. You know, turn it off. I don't want it in my ears. No. So yeah, it's a four, and that's generous. I think I yep. could have given it lower, but I don't know. I'm a nice guy. You know. Literally, I could just see like literal fifteen year old child Taylor's face in my head. Like you gave this song a one. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. It, I I, it, I could give it a three. I could give it a three. That's fine. That still works. I never really considered one, but I did think long and hard about like two. I thought I thought about two, but then I knowing the things that I know, I went up to four, so Yeah. Yeah. I just I really don't like this one, but there are other ones that I'm a little more passionate about my hatred of, so Yeah. I think I'm gonna give some ones, but not to this one. Not to this one. But there will be some, I think. Well, that's that. Change is behind us and we don't ever have to talk about it again. Thank God. Back to hell where it belongs. No. What is our song for next week going to be? I Forgot That You Existed from Lover. From Lover. The opener. Yeah. From Lover. Okay. Anything else? I think that's it. All right. Follow us on socials. Yes. Thank you for listening to Cowboys Like Us. Please follow us on Twitter at Cowboys Like Us underscore podcast and on instagram at cowboys like us underscore pod that's all of them <laughs> that's all of them yep so that's all folks follow us on the instagram the twitter tell us your thoughts give us your rankings we'd love to we'd love to have people do that so that we could actually talk about it on the next episode. Be like, actually, change are really fucking good. And I think that because I'm a fucking nerd. You know, we'd love to tell people that. We'd love to tell people that. We'll put your name out there. We'll put your full Christian name if you want. We'll put it on there. We'll read your address. Yeah. If you want to give us your social, <laughs> we'll read it. We'll Get read it. that social. Yep, you put decide. That out there. Credit card numbers, we love those. Yeah, don't forget the expiration date and the security and the, code yeah, on the back, yeah, the three-digit course, code on the we back. We do need that. We do need that. Very important mm-hmm. <laughs> for transparency. Birth, your birth date, your mother's maiden name, your first childhood pet. Yeah. The name well, of your elementary school. <laughs> that's right. You know? What street did you live on as Thank a child? You. All those things and more on our social media. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We will see you next Monday with I Forgot That You Existed. Goodbye. Bye.